when a subject of an investigation obstructs that investigation or lies to investigators, it strikes at the core of the government's effort to find the truth and hold wrongdoers accountable. Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. It certainly does. I got the feeling that something ain't right. It certainly ain't. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. Yep. Yes, I'm stuck in the middle. From with Pacifica you. Radio in Los Angeles, this is the broadcast as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in LA. Also in California, in Red Bluff and Redding on KFOI, Round Mountains, KKRN, and Eureka's KGOE. In Oregon, on the Central Coast, on, on KYAQ, in Cottage Grove, on Queso, in Eugene, on KEPW. In Lancaster, Pennsylvania, on WLRI, Maui, Hawaii's KAKU. In Columbus, Ohio, on WGRN, Palinville, New York's WLPP. In Grand Rapids, on WPRR. In New Orleans, on WHIV. Gallup, New Mexico's KNIZ. Concord, New Hampshire's WNHN. Fayetteville, Arkansas's KPSQ. In Seattle, on KODX. Goldendale, Washington's KVGD. Janesville, Wisconsin's WADR. And Minneapolis, St. Paul's AM 950 KTNF. We also stream coast-to-coast and around the globe every day on the Internet, on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, GDPR, Revolution 99, Workforce Rising, Deprogrammed Radio, and Detour Talk, Blanketing Planet Earth, five days a week. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker. All around, swell fellow, says me, from bradblog.com. Thank you very much for joining us today for another thrilling edition of the Bradcast. Yeah, no, there's no sarcasm in that uh, <laughs> in that comment, Desi. Do- I, I am. Uh, it's a thrilling day. The St. Louis Blues won their first Stanley Cup final game ever in their history. I've been waiting, well, 51 years for that. So that happened. Go. They haven't won the cup yet, but, you know, we'll see. They won finally a game so in a final. There is some good news. See, everything. For those who like St. Louis Blues. Is fine. <laughs> uh, the dark days, however, do continue everywhere else. So, uh, But I, I do like to find, as you know, a bit of light in that darkness where we can to uh, help kick things off here. Before things go inevitably downhill, as they tend to on the broadcast these days. So let's start in New Hampshire with some good news about a dark subject. New Hampshire is now the 21st U.S. state to have abolished capital punishment. After its legislature today voted to override a veto by Republican Governor Chris Sununu at long last, after a years long effort to repeal the state's death penalty, The state Senate there voted 16 to 8 on Thursday to finally make it official, calling capital punishment, quote, archaic, costly, discriminatory and violent. Democratic State Senator Melanie Levesque said the uh, time has come to end it. Uh, The uh, Senate President Donna Susi of uh, Manchester said in a statement after the historic vote that the death penalty has been an issue every New Hampshire legislator has grappled with over many years. 
calling it a privilege today to join her colleagues in voting to repeal capital punishment in the Granite State. Both the Senate and the House had overwhelmingly approved a bill last month changing New Hampshire's penalty for capital murder from uh, putting a a possible death sentence to uh, a new law which calls for life in prison without the possibility of parole. Well, that was easy and morally correct. Am I right? Pro-lifers out there who oppose abortion but somehow back the government's state-sanctioned murder of its own citizens? Republican State Senator Harold French was one of the Republicans that did come along and vote the right way on this bill. Uh, He said he backed the bill uh, last month because it would be a, quote, misdeed to keep the death penalty in effect. French said he has been moved by the testimony of people who spoke out against the death penalty. That was echoed by uh, Senator Martha Hennessy, a Democrat who said, I'm grateful to the many survivors of murder victims who bravely shared their story with the legislature, many of whom told us that the death penalty only prolongs the pain and trauma of their loss. In addition to social and philosophical objections, backers of the push to repeal the death penalty say it has cost the state millions of dollars to pursue these death sentences particularly when the state must pay to provide defense for indigent uh, defendants and lengthy trials and hearings. Lawmakers noted in the text of the bill, according to NPR, that New Hampshire had spent some $2.5 million, for example, to prosecute the case of Michael Addison, who was convicted of the 2006 killing of a Manchester police officer, Michael Briggs. Addison is currently the only inmate right now on New Hampshire's death row. The new law, however, would not retroactively apply to Addison, though critics of the repeal effort have warned that they believe he won't be executed if the measure is enacted. Well, let's hope not. The government should not be in the business of killing its citizens or anybody else's for that matter, and the notion that Republicans here who uh, claim to be in favor of small government (laughs) and uh, keeping government out of private lives wants to actually murder Americans remains mind-blowing to me. But that's not the only somewhat goodish news we've got today. Yes, even in Desi Doyen's latest Green News report coming up a bit later, (laughs) we've got some Good-ish news. Well, that's quite a segue, but okay, we'll go well, with it. Uh, well, it's maybe the only good news we get here True. today. About some good-ish news, as I say, about what appears to be at least a pause in this unrelenting string of tornadoes and severe weather, which has been slamming the central U.S. over the past month or two, uh, including in a number of our listening areas around the country. So happy to bring that somewhat good-ish news And uh, some good news from the EU elections, actually, over the weekend, where climate activists appear to have had a very real impact on the makeup of the new European Parliament. And some potential lessons, maybe, for Americans, especially youth. Yeah, one of those is that raising hell works, at (laughs) least in other countries. Uh, Speaking of good-ish news and elections in other countries. Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu failed to form a ruling coalition late Wednesday, becoming the first elected prime minister in Israeli history to stumble in uh, forging a working government. As the clock struck midnight, 
On Wednesday, the Israeli parliament, or Knesset, voted to dissolve itself, forcing a September 17 election. The vote was 74 uh, 74 to 45 in favor of dismantling the Knesset when they couldn't come up with a government. Up until the final moments on Wednesday, Netanyahu seemed to be on the brink of hammering out a deal with ultra-religious parties, but he could not seal the deal. Amid demands from far-right lawmakers on military draft exemptions, after elections back in April, Netanyahu, who is facing felony prosecution, by the way, nonetheless, he, he, his party still did uh, very well in the elections in April. He seemed to be in the clear for an historic fifth term as prime minister of Israel after his uh, right-wing Likud party fended off a strong challenge from the centrist Blue and White party led by Benny Gantz. The Likud and Blue and White each won 35 seats in the Knesset, but that uh, was going to be thought anyway to be more than enough for Netanyahu to form a government with the backing of some smaller right-wing parties. But that appears to have fallen apart on Wednesday, paving the way now for an historic second election called for September. We'll see how that goes for Netanyahu, and we will see if we'll see if he's in jail by then, <laughs> and if he still gets elected. Anything can happen these days. Meanwhile, back here in the U.S., we're still trying to make sense of our election from two and a half years ago in 2016, which Donald Trump finally conceded on Twitter today, was won by him with the help of backing from Russia. Oops, he has been actually trying to clean up that mess ever since, and we'll get to that in a little bit. But as we've been discussing the need for the impeachment of Donald J. Trump of late, And the many reasons for it, specifically for the at least 10 instances of obstruction of justice clearly detailed by special counsel Robert Mueller in his 448 page report. For anyone who bothered to read it, see volume two. I don't think many people have bothered to read it, particularly many people in Congress, particularly many people on the Republican side in Congress. Just don't bother. Why look? Why look at evidence? If you don't look at it, it doesn't exist. Kind of like how they are with climate change. Oh, see, that was quite a segue. You were the one who said I, but you're right. Yeah, anyway, so all that obstruction and the fact, by the way, that Trump, according to federal prosecutors, directed an illegal conspiracy to pay hush money to women with whom he'd had affairs before the election, which his former attorney, Michael Cohen, is now serving time in federal prison for. For his part in that conspiracy that was directed by Donald Trump and included payouts while Donald Trump was in the White House, while he was president, to cone cover-up money to keep that campaign uh, finance violation covered up, seems like there's more than enough reason to begin impeachment proceedings immediately. Bradblog.com commentator Don L writes, Don L, I should say, writes in uh, in response to yesterday's program in which we discussed with uh, Salon's Heather Digby Parton uh, Mueller's statement at the DOJ on Wednesday. Uh, th- we we were talking on the show on Wednesday about Mueller, his statement where he explained that due to DOJ guidelines, the special counsel team was unable to file charges against a sitting president. And they knew that from the beginning. So they never even looked to 
you know, some indictment against Donald Trump because they knew they could not do that thanks to DOJ's guidelines on this, which, by the way, are completely wrong. Nonetheless, them's the rules that uh, that Robert Mueller was working under. And so anyway, Mueller clarified that if he could have cleared the president of crimes, he would have been able to do that. But they were not able to do so, as he made clear in his statement on Wednesday. When a subject of an investigation obstructs that investigation or lies to investigators, it strikes at the core of their government's effort to find the truth and hold wrongdoers accountable. The report describes the results and analysis of our obstruction of justice investigation involving the president. After that investigation, if we had had confidence that the president clearly did not commit a crime, we would have said so. We did not, however, make a determination as to whether the president did commit a crime. The introduction to the volume two of our report explains that decision. It explains that under long-standing department policy, a president cannot be charged with a federal crime while he is in office. The special counsel's office is part of the Department of Justice, and by regulation, it was bound by that department policy. Charging the president with a crime was therefore not an option we could consider. So they couldn't consider it. It was not an option, but they could have cleared the president if they were able to. And he notes they specifically were not able to. And even pointing out, you know, making recommendations specifically to Congress for impeachment, for example, was not something that he was willing to do because he did not feel that that was his place, that instead this is now up to Congress. Right. He had to speak in a riddle in that way, because even saying, yeah, we think that he committed a crime here would be just falling short of actually charging. Well, and what he said is that it would be unfair to the president. He clearly went out of his way to be fair to this president uh, who is not returning the favor, by the way. In any event, we'll get to that in a bit. Uh, the the only way, therefore, to hold a president accountable other than the criminal justice system is via congressional impeachment. And this brings us to Don L's comment at Bradblog.com, who writes today, So much emotion about impeachment, but so few talking points or summaries. From what we know now, is there a legal case for Trump's impeachment or isn't there? Well, yes, there is. I just uh, detailed two of them. The campaign finance conspiracy scheme for which Michael Cohen is in jail and the 10 or so instances of obstruction of justice, very specifically detailed by Robert Mueller. And the fact that uh, someone like Don L., who is, you know, a longtime uh, listener, reader of uh, Bradblog.com, is unclear on that is troubling, and I suggest it's because the Democrats are not out there making the case. And they should be, because it's an easy case to make. There is ample evidence. Don goes on to write, what the public needs is a simple, readily understandable set of bullet points regarding the actual acts by Trump that most clearly went across the line in terms of obstructing justice. What is needed is not a bunch of cloudy, highly detailed emotional speculation, but a clear set of maybe four or five simple short talking points of unequivocal examples of when 
Trump violated the law. Any examples that resemble Nixon's violations should be put first. Well, obstruction of justice uh, is a Nixon violation. That was one of the um, articles of impeachment against him. It was also one of the articles of impeachment against Bill Clinton. But I agree, the messaging from Democrats, such as there has been any, has been a mess. Focusing on whether or not Trump should be impeached rather than what he should be impeached for, which is crystal clear, at least to those of us who have bothered to read the Mueller report. But of course, most have not. So to Don's point, uh, and as Heather and I discussed yesterday, Republican Congressman Justin Amash of Michigan has been doing a hell of a good job, frankly, with uh, Twitter threads every couple of days of late since he declared, I think it was a week or so ago, after bothering to read the Mueller report, that it became clear to him that Trump committed, yes, impeachable offenses. Those threads are some of the very best and clearest explanations for why Trump should be impeached. No, they're not emotional. They are filled with actual facts. And so I linked yesterday when I posted the show at bradblog.com, I linked to a bunch of Amash's threads on this that you might want to read. I think uh, yesterday's item, uh, I had headlined it, Mueller Speaks, Dems Dither, Amash Doubles Down on Impeachment. So you can see some of those links there, and I'll try to link again when I post today's show if you're unclear on this stuff. So allow me to share part of just the latest one of those threads, which sort of helps clear up the mess that Trump's attorney general, Bill Barr, purposely caused by misleading Congress and the American people about what Mueller's report said and didn't say during that month that Barr sat on the report after it was given to him by Mueller but before he deigned to release it to the public in redacted form, which allowed all of the Republicans and Donald Trump to make up a whole bunch of, frankly, lies about what Mueller actually found. So Republican, Tea Party, conservative, Freedom Caucus Congressman Justin Amash, a recent proud winner of the rarely bestowed Bradblog Intellectually Honest Conservative Award, Justin Amash writes in his latest tweet storm, Attorney General Bill Barr has deliberately misrepresented key aspects of Mueller's report and decisions in the investigation, which has helped further the president's false narrative about the investigation. After receiving Mueller's report, Barr wrote and released a letter on March 24 describing Barr's own decision not to indict the president for obstruction of justice. That letter selectively quotes and summarizes points in Mueller's report in misleading ways, says the Republican congressman. Mueller's report says he chose not to decide whether Trump broke the law because there's an official DOJ opinion that indicting a sitting president is unconstitutional and because of concerns about impeaching the president's um, about impacting the president's ability to govern and about preempting possible impeachment by Congress. So Mueller was very clear on that. Barr was not. Barr misled about all of that. He seemed to suggest, well, he didn't bring uh, any charges because he didn't find anything to charge Trump with. That is completely the opposite of the truth. And Mueller made that very clear in his statement on Wednesday. Back to 
Congressman Amash here. Barr's letter doesn't mention those issues that Mueller couldn't charge, even if he wanted to. He doesn't mention those issues when explaining why Mueller chose not to make a prosecutorial decision. He instead selectively quotes Mueller in a way that makes it sound falsely as if Mueller's decisions stem from legal and factual issues specific to Trump's actions. But they didn't. Not by a long shot. In fact, as Amash points out, Mueller finds considerable evidence that several of Trump's actions detailed in the report meet the elements of obstruction and Mueller's constitutional and prudential issues with indicting a sitting president, however, would preclude indictment regardless of what he found. It did not matter what he found because he could not bring charges. That is precisely what Mueller said yesterday and what his report plainly details for anybody who bothers to read it. It's also, by the way, what we talked about on this show about three three or four months ago now, I don't know, with Stan Brand, the former general counsel for the uh, U.S. House of Representatives, who pointed out that Mueller cannot, because of these guidelines, he cannot bring an indictment. And because the uh, the old special counsel rule has now changed, in, they used to call it the independent counsel statute, that has been allowed to elapse. Now we have the special counsel rule. The independent counsel, they used to be able to recommend impeachment proceedings to the House. That's what we saw under Ken Starr and Bill Clinton and under Nixon, by the way. But that is no longer the case. So Mueller was unable to bring charges. He was unable to. He was prohibited to, from bringing charges. Correct. In his mind. In his mind. And in the guideline, the DOJ guidelines. And he was unable to recommend impeachment. And so I called it at the time the catch-22, the Robert Mueller special counsel catch-22. It's like, well, what the hell is he actually doing? Well, what he was doing as he also explained on Wednesday, was collecting the evidence while it was still fresh to present it to another body who has the constitutional ability to bring accountability, that would be Congress. Back to Congressman Amash. In noting why Barr thought the president's intent in impeding the investigation was insufficient to establish criminal uh, obstruction, Barr selectively quotes Mueller to make it sound as if his analysis was much closer to Barr's analysis than it actually was. For example, Barr quotes Mueller saying that the evidence didn't establish that Trump was personally involved in crimes related to Russian election interference. Uh, many of which uh, Mueller detailed in volume one of the report. And then Barr, Barr then claims that Mueller found that fact relevant to whether the president had the intent to obstruct justice. In other words, if there's not intent to obstruct justice, you can't uh, bring a criminal charge, even if you were allowed to, which Mueller wasn't. But uh, he took out of context uh, comments from Mueller. To, to make this point, Mueller's quote, as Amash notes, is taken from a section in which Mueller, in fact, describes other improper motives that Trump could have had for unlawfully obstructing the investigation. And notes, quote, the injury to the integrity of the justice system is the same, 
regardless of whether a person committed an underlying wrong. But Barr did not note that in his letter. He just made it seem like, well, there was no crime there, so you can't charge uh, Trump. That's completely wrong. Completely wrong, completely misleading. So either Barr purposely left that stuff out or he didn't bother to read the actual report, which is also very possible, before making his various false and misleading announcements about it, uh, which Trump and his allies have been repeating over and over since, saying no collusion, no obstruction. Neither of those things is actually true, at least according to Mueller's actual report. Amash notes, as of uh, as a result of Barr's March 24 letter, the uh, public and Congress were misled. Uh, he goes on to add uh, more ways in which he was misled. I will link uh, to this uh, long thread. But like I recommended yesterday, if you're on Twitter, you need to follow Justin Amash. That's his uh, Twitter name, just Justin Amash. It's easy to find. You don't even have to have a Twitter account. You can just Google Justin Amash Twitter. Twitter. Look and at it and these. you'll yep. see that thread right there. He notes at the end of this, he concludes here, ultimately, the special counsel recognized that the president would not be interviewed voluntarily, that after Barr had told America that the White House, quote, fully cooperated with the investigation. Not true. Mueller tried and tried and tried again unsuccessfully to get an interview with the president for more than a year. And he would the president would simply not be interviewed voluntarily. And Mueller eventually decided that it would be a potential, a potentially lengthy constitutional litigation if he tried to subpoena the president that would delay the completion of the investigation. But Amash notes Barr has so far successfully used his position to sell the president's false narrative to the American people adding, this will continue if those who have read the report do not start pushing back on his misrepresentations and share the truth. And while Amash may, I don't know, may be speaking to his fellow Republicans with that comment, uh, frankly, I think it works just as well with the Democrats and the media with whom they uh, are, the Democrats are speaking mostly about whether to impeach Trump instead of what he should be impeached for, as is so clearly spelled out by Mueller. Also, by the way, Amash just made a hell of a good case for impeaching the attorney general as well, for lying to Congress, among other things. If Democrats are too frightened to impeach Trump for reasons that I cannot pretend to fully understand, perhaps they can try out impeachment training wheels by impeaching the attorney general. I suspect Amash would probably be more than happy uh, to serve as the House manager in a conviction trial in the U.S. Senate for that, as well as an impeachment trial for uh, Donald Trump, because both would be the right thing to do. Damn the politics of it. Damn the partisan politics of it, as Amash clearly has. Amash as a Republican clearly has. And the Democrats need to do so as well. And stop worrying about whether this is going to help them or harm them in uh, the 2020 elections. They need to do the right thing. Focus on the Constitution and the fact that we have a criminal in office who is also, by the way, completely unfit to remain in it. And if you have any question about that, Trump's unhinged behavior today 
in front of the cameras on the heels of Mueller's statement yesterday, which clearly contradicted Bill Barr's previous uh, claims, along with Trump's own previous claims regarding no collusion, no obstruction. Well, Trump slipped up on Twitter. And uh, it showed on the White House lawn on Thursday morning. This from uh, Trump's own Rupert Murdoch-owned Trump-supporting tabloid, The New York Post today. Trump contradicted comments that he made on Twitter early Thursday, acknowledging for the first time that Russia's meddling in the 2016 election helped him pull out a win in the Electoral College after losing the popular vote. From the New York Post. What? Uh, Trump tweeted early on Thursday, quote, Russia, Russia, Russia. That's all you heard at the beginning of this witch hunt hoax. And now Russia has disappeared because I had nothing to do with Russia helping uh, to get me elected. I had nothing to do with Russia helping me to get elected. One more time. I had nothing to do with Russia helping me to get elected. It was a crime that didn't exist. Well, Mueller himself made it clear that Russia has not, in fact, disappeared, as he made uh, clear both at the beginning and end of his statement on Wednesday from the Justice Department. As alleged by the grand jury in an indictment, Russian intelligence officers who were part of the Russian military launched a concerted attack on our political system. The indictment alleges that they use sophisticated cyber techniques to hack into computers and networks used by the Clinton campaign. They stole private information and then released that information through fake online identities and through the organization WikiLeaks. The releases were designed and timed to interfere with our election and to damage a presidential candidate. And at the same time as the grand jury alleged in a separate indictment, a private Russian entity engaged in a social media operation where Russian citizens posed as Americans in order to influence an an election. And I will close by reiterating the central allegation of our indictments that there were multiple systematic efforts to interfere in our election. And that allegation deserves the attention of every American. Well, uh, how much attention he's uh, got of the Americans uh, is unclear at this point with Donald Trump having his bully pulpit every day. Whether it's on Twitter, whether it's on the White House lawn as the helicopter is running and, you know, with uh, uh, Mueller going out of his way to be fair to this president in too fair, far too fair, frankly, to this president. Anyway, Russia has not disappeared, as Trump falsely tweeted. But he has been freaking out ever since that uh, tweet today because he slipped up after years of saying Russia had nothing to do with the election, that they didn't interfere or help him get elected, actually claiming at times that they helped Hillary Clinton somehow. Uh, But he included in his tweet, I had nothing to do with Russia helping me to get elected. Well, maybe that's true. But at least, oops, he's actually admitting that Russia helped him get elected. So he was in damage control on the White House lawn today while speaking to reporters, manically pacing back and forth, which I don't know if it comes across in the audio or not. Um, 
But it was disturbing. Here is part of what he had to say after he was asked by a reporter, forgive the helicopter noise here, uh, whether, as he said in his own tweet today, Russia helped him get elected. No, Russia did not help me get elected. You know who got me elected? You know who got me elected? I got me elected. Russia didn't help me at all. Russia, if anything, I think helped the other side. What you ought to ask is this. Do you think the media helped Hillary Clinton get elected? She didn't make it. But you take a look at collusion between Hillary Clinton and the media. You take a look at collusion between Hillary Clinton and Russia. She had more to do in the campaign with Russia than I did. I had nothing to do. And by the way, that's one other thing. If you look, this was all about Russia, Russia, Russia. They don't talk about Russia anymore because it turned out to be a hoax. It was all a hoax. And then they say, gee, he fought back. Isn't that terrible? He fought back. Of course I fight back because it was a false accusation, a totally false accusation. And it's a disgrace. And it's a very, it's a very sad period for this country. And I think in the end, I will consider what's happening now to be one of my greatest achievements, exposing this corruption. Does that sound like someone who is fit to be president of the United States? Seriously. I, I, I don't give a damn about the politics here. Like Justin Amash, I, I, I give a damn about the constitutional principles that are involved and the good of this nation. That is not someone who is uh, fit to be president. By the way, the New York Post rewrote that item today. They changed the headline and the lead, uh, which had originally been uh, Trump walks back his tweet saying Russia helped him get elected. New York Post changed it to Trump blasts Robert Mueller after statement saying he was in cahoots with James Comey. Hmm. Well, that gets him out of it. Trump was then asked whether he thought he uh, whether he thought he would be impeached. Uh, because there has been a lot of talk of that over the past 24 hours, and his manic response there was just as reassuring as his response contradicting himself on whether Russia helped him win the election. I don't see how they can, because they're possibly allowed, although I can't imagine the courts allowing it. I've never gone into it. I never thought that would even be possible to be using that word. To me, it's a dirty word, the word impeach. It's a dirty, filthy, disgusting word. And it had nothing to do with me. So I don't think so, because there was no crime. You know, it's high crimes and, not with or or. It's high crimes and misdemeanors. There was no high crime and there was no misdemeanor. So how do you impeach based on that? And it came out that there was nothing to do with Russia. The whole thing is a scam. It's one of it's a giant presidential harassment. And honestly, I hope it goes down as one of my greatest achievements because I've exposed corruption. I've exposed corruption like nobody knew existed. Well, somebody's corrupt, that's for sure. Uh, yeah, he has exposed corruption like nobody ever knew existed, but uh, not the corruption that he thinks. So, um a couple of points there real quick. Uh, well, the courts won't allow it. The courts won't allow impeachment. 
Uh, now, he said something like this before. He seems to think that his stolen U.S. Supreme Court is somehow going to save him here. But the courts have nothing to do with the impeachment process other than the chief justice of the Supreme Court presiding over a trial in the U.S. Senate if it comes to that. So I'm not sure what he thinks he's talking about here. But uh, the, the impeachment is a dirty, filthy, disgusting word. He never thought it was possible that we could even talk about it. I believe he is terrified of it. I think he is, too. And for Nancy Pelosi to continue to say, oh, he wants us to impeach him, that does not sound like someone who wants to be impeached. Nonetheless, it is not up to him. As Amash says, the danger here is that not that we use impeachment too often, but it's that we do not ever use it when it's needed. And that we will never use it again if we don't use it in a case where impeachment is so clearly appropriate to remove not just a scofflaw president, but one who is clearly so unfit that he is a danger to the country every day that he is in the office. So now Democrats are not completely out to lunch on this. There is a big debate within their caucus. They are just taking their sweet time and they're having trouble rising to the moment, it seems to me. Which is where you come in. You can reach your member of Congress and letting them know if you support impeachment or not. And it is important. Uh, They really do pay attention to this stuff. You can call your member of Congress at 202-224-3121. And let them know what you think. Over the past 24 hours or so since uh, Mueller's comments... uh, a bunch of the 2020 uh, presidential candidates have now finally come out in favor of beginning an impeachment inquiry, including Kamala Harris, Cory Booker, Elizabeth Warren had already come out several weeks ago on this. Pete Buttigieg, Beto O'Rourke, Julian Castro, Castro, Kirsten Gillibrand. We now have 50 members, 50 members of the U.S. House who favor starting an impeachment inquiry on the Democratic side, including 11 members of the House Judiciary Committee, which is where the impeachment inquiry would begin. Eleven members of that. Uh, The uh, chair of that committee, Jerry Nadler, is reportedly also in favor of the inquiry, but is being uh, held up at this time for some reason by Nancy Pelosi. But you can make a difference. Uh, by calling 202-224-3121. So 50 House members are now in favor of an inquiry on the Democratic side and one on the Republican side, Justin Amash of Michigan. Quick break and more reasons to bring accountability. Straight ahead on the broadcast. I'm Brad Friedman. Don't touch that dial. Hey, this is Brad. If you haven't noticed by now, it's no easy feat finding facts, real facts, not alternative facts, over your public airwaves. We try to bring you real facts, truth, and clarity without fear or favor each and every day on the broadcast. But we need your help to do it, and that help is needed more now than ever. Please stop by bradblog.com slash donate today. That's bradblog.com slash donate today. And thanks. Madam Speaker, dozens of House Democrats, along with multiple legal experts and my Aunt Linda, have found clear grounds for impeachment. Where do you stand? I don't think we should impeach a president for political reasons. How about just for fun? 
We have to see what the facts are. I mean, this is not a, a day at the beach. Just impeach him, impeach him, impeach him, impeach him. Well, let me say. Oh, excuse me. They say the only way you can reach him is impeach him, impeach him, impeach him. Welcome back. It's the Bradcast. That, of course, is Randy Rainbow. Always good to hear from him. <laughs> yes. Uh, Brad Friedman from bradblog.com with you here next to the delightful Desi Doyen, as ever. All right. Just weeks. Big story today. Just weeks before the Supreme Court is expected to rule on whether the Trump administration can add a citizenship question to the 2020 census. New evidence emerged today suggesting that the question was crafted specifically to give an electoral advantage to white Republicans, something, of course, that we all knew. But now we have really hard evidence for it and hard evidence that also shows a whole bunch of administration officials have been lying. The evidence was found in the files of the prominent Republican redistricting strategist Thomas Hoffeller, I don't know if that's how you pronounce his name, uh, but he's dead, so I guess he won't be too mad at me. Thomas Hoffeller, after his death in August of last year, it reveals, according to a letter to U.S. District Judge Jess Furman from attorneys representing plaintiffs in one of the cases challenging the addition of this question on the 2020 census, uh, that Hoffeller, quote, played a significant role in orchestrating the addition of the citizenship question to the 2020 decennial census in order to create a structural advantage for, in his words, quote, Republicans and non-Hispanic whites. And that the Trump administration uh, purposely obscured Hoffeller's role in court proceedings. As Ari Berman, who's been covering this issue uh, for some time, the question of this uh, sense, uh, this uh, citizenship question being added to the census, as uh, he reports today at Mother Jones, the Trump administration's controversial effort to add a citizenship question to the 2020 census was drawn up by the Republican Party's gerrymandering mastermind, who wrote that it, quote, would clearly be a disadvantage to the Democrats, unquote, and, quote, advantageous to Republicans and non-Hispanic whites. This bombshell news, says Ari, revealed in newly released legal documents, suggests that the Trump administration added the question not to better enforce the Voting Rights Act, as they absurdly claimed, which has always been clearly a lie, but in fact to benefit Republicans politically when it came time to uh, draw new political districts. A case challenging the citizenship question is currently before the Supreme Court, and the new evidence significantly undercuts the Trump administration's position in that case. This is all particularly disturbing since, as Mark Joseph Stern reported on this show uh, a month or two ago, I guess back in April, I think it was, uh, the day after that he was in the courtroom for oral arguments at the Supreme Court, uh, he reported that even though all of the lower courts have blocked this citizenship question, a majority of the right wingers on the stolen Supreme Court now seem prepared to give it their OK anyway. 
Tom Hoffeller, who passed away last year, was the longtime redistricting expert for the Republican National Committee. He helped Republicans draw heavily gerrymandered maps in nearly every key swing state after the 2010 election. In some of those places, like North Carolina, the new lines were struck down for discriminating against African-Americans. In other states like Pennsylvania, Michigan, Ohio... And again, yes, in North Carolina, they were struck down by lower courts for discriminating against Democrats. They were extreme partisan gerrymanders, which the high court is also set to issue a ruling on in the coming weeks. In 2015, Hoffeller was hired by the uh, right wing Washington Free Beacon, a news outlet, to study the impact of drawing state legislative districts based on citizenship rather than on total population, which has been the standard for decades. Hoffeller's analysis of Texas state legislative districts found that drawing districts based on citizenship, which he conceded would be a, quote, radical departure from the rule presently used in the U.S., would reduce representation for Hispanics who tended to vote Democratic and increase representation for white Republicans. Hoffeller said that a question about citizenship would need to be added to the census, which forms the basis for redistricting for states like Texas to pursue this new strategy. Hoffeller then urged Trump's transition team to add the question about citizenship to the 2020 census, urging the team to claim that a citizenship question was needed in order to uh, enforce the Voting Rights Act, even though Hoffeller already concluded that it would in fact harm the racial minority groups that the act was designed to protect. That argument was then used by the Justice Department in a December 2017 letter requesting that the Commerce Department, who oversees the census, include a citizenship question. It was a scam, and these documents have now been discovered demonstrating this scam. They were found on hard drives that were... Um, discovered by his estranged, Huffeller's estranged daughter. Yeah, when she was going through his effects after he passed away, she said, oh, look, here are some hard drives. I bet the folks with this lawsuit might be interested. She handed them over to Common Cause. They happen to be the plaintiffs in the uh, North Carolina gerrymandering case, and uh, they introduced evidence from those uh, hard drives into their trial challenging gerrymandered North Carolina state legislative districts that were drawn by Hoffeller. On Thursday, lawyers challenging the citizenship question cited these documents in federal court. Of course, the census determines how $880 billion in federal funding is allocated, how much representation that states receive in Congress how political districts are drawn for the next decade. A citizenship question is expected to deter many immigrants and Latinos from responding to the census, that especially if combined uh, with an effort to exclude non-citizens from being counted in redistricting would then result in a huge transfer of economic and political power to whiter and more Republican areas, as Ari Berman has been reporting, and as this Hoffeller guy Uh, made clear in these documents would be the case. Now the question is how the hell to get this information to the Supreme Court, which has already heard the case back in April. And uh, as is their tradition, they vote on the same week 
that they hear the cases and then they go about writing up their opinions. So the vote presumably has already been taken. The ACLU is trying to get this information somehow to the Supreme Court. Um, They've filed a letter to, quote, respectfully inform it of uh, this motion that they have filed in New York, the where the case originated, challenging this uh, this citizenship question. Um, so uh, the uh, the head of the ACLU uh, said this just shows that there was a longstanding plan to weaponize the census, to dilute minority voting power, to try to forestall the electoral effects of the demographic changes that this country is now undergoing. And the thing is that all along the way, folks at the Justice Department, a guy named John Gore, who heads up the Civil Rights Division now, uh, Wilbur Ross, who's the Secretary of Commerce. They all lied about this during the case, uh, during testimony to Congress, during the various cases. They all lied about this, as has now been revealed by these documents, which we've all learned about for the first time today, backing up the argument that the plaintiffs have been making all along. As a matter of fact, the House Oversight Committee voted in April to authorize um, subpoenas against Gore and Ross and Attorney General Bill Barr for documents related to the decision to add this question to the census. But the Justice Department said it would not comply with a congressional subpoena for Gore to testify about the question. And the Trump administration has vowed to stonewall all House subpoenas. All of this adding still more reason for the Democrats, frankly, to begin impeachment proceedings immediately. Nothing comes from holding off at this point and allowing this lawlessness from the very top of this administration to the bottom. Every single one of them needs to be impeached. Otherwise, they continue unimpeded with zero accountability. If not now, when? Seriously, Democrats, wake up. Their phone number is uh, 202-224-3121. If you'd like to talk to your member of Congress about this, 202-224-3121. Let them know you have their back. Let them know you give a damn about account accountability, about the Constitution, and about the rule of law. I, I mean, don't wait for them. This is up to us. Take action now, 202-224-3121, to speak to your uh, member of Congress, or at least their office. Let them know your feelings. Quick break, and we're back with the Green News Report and Desi Doyen on the broadcast. I'm Brad Friedman. Five major corporations now control more than 80 percent of the media in the United States, but they don't control us. The Bradcast and the Green News Report are 100 percent independent, 100 percent listener supported. But we can't do it alone. We need you. Please help us bring real facts to listeners at independent stations around the nation. You can make a difference. Support independent media. Drop by bradblog.com donate. That's bradblog.com donate. And thanks. Welcome back to the Bradcast. I'm sure there must be a reason, uh, as long as we're talking about impeachment, there's, there's got to be a reason to impeach Donald Trump in your latest 
GNR, right, Desi Doyen? Somewhere? <laughs> always. There? There's always something, I'm oh, sure. There's always something. Well, we'll find out in your latest Green News report. Again, the National Weather Service saying this is a life-threatening situation and the media should be using the strongest language possible. Deadly, relentless storms tapering off, for now, after hammering Midwest. Mississippi River flooding now longest lasting in over 90 years. Two congressional Republicans block disaster relief bill. Plus, if we don't take action now, it's going to be extremely out of our control. Climate strike protests help propel climate candidates into EU Parliament. All of those stories and more straight ahead. From Bradblog.com, I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyen. Stand by for six minutes of independent green news, politics, analysis, and snarky comment. Uh, I was just checking social media. We have viewers complaining already. Just go back to the show. No, we're not going back to the show, folks. This is a dangerous situation, okay? Okay, but The Bachelorette is on. Jamie Simpson, meteorologist of Fox 45 in Dayton, Ohio. I know there's a huge tornado outside, but The Bachelorette. This is your Green News Report. I'm done with you people. I really am. This is pathetic. Okay, Desi Doyen, I think we sort of have some good news in that these unceasing storms and tornadoes may be pausing for a few days? Maybe. That's according to the National Weather Service that says the weary Midwest may soon catch that break from the relentless hammering of deadly destructive storms over the last several weeks. The month of May has been one of the most active periods for tornadoes in U.S. history. More than 500 tornadoes were reported over the last 30 days, with a new record of at least eight tornadoes per day for 12 days straight. There have been more than 500 reports. Reported tornadoes? Yes. Wow. The highest one-day total was 68 tornadoes. So far this year, tornadoes have been blamed for at least 38 deaths in the United States. But the flooding caused by record rainfall this spring is not going away yet in Kansas, Oklahoma, or Arkansas, and it may not fully recede until July. On the Weather Channel, National Weather Service hydrologist Bill Lawrence compared the torrential rainfall in Kansas to Hurricane Harvey. Their normal average rainfall in the city of Wichita is 32 inches and some change. So that's 76% of an annual rainfall um, in one month. Now, this is not Harvey but it's as close as we get to Harvey in this part of the country. Flooding along the Mississippi River this year has lasted so long, it is now the second longest since the Great Flood of 1927. I'm almost speechless here. I have no idea when people are going to figure out that we are facing a serious crisis. And people are asking about the influence of climate change. Now, scientists have confirmed that heavy rainfall from storms has increased by as much as 70 percent in some areas of the United States since the 1950s. And they say it will only get worse in the coming years thanks to man-made global warming. Now, the influence on tornadoes is harder to pin down due to a lack of historical data. But there is a trend toward more frequent tornado swarms with more tornadoes per outbreak. One study found that since 1950, the number of days seeing at least 32 tornadoes has more than doubled. Yeah, but the good news is the Donald Trump Department of Energy is now referring to liquid natural gas as freedom gas. 
So there's that. Yep. The months of extreme storms, floods, and tornadoes have cost farm country billions of dollars in losses and a delayed planting season for many of America's farmers. You mean those Trump voters in farmland? Yes. The U.S. Department of Agriculture announced this week that farmers have planted less than 50 percent of their intended corn crop for 2019 and less than 20 percent of their intended soy crops. If they plant too late, they will miss the deadline to qualify for federal crop insurance. Well, maybe. Maybe they'll get lucky and they'll find freedom gas under their farms. However, victims of these storms will have to wait longer for help because two congressional Republicans have thwarted a $19 billion bipartisan disaster relief funding bill in the U.S. House that had already passed the Senate and won White House approval. Republicans Chip Roy of Texas and Thomas Massey of Kentucky demanded that the vote be held after members return from their holiday recess next week. That delay means that disaster victims across the nation who have been hit by devastating hurricanes, wildfires and floods would have to wait at least another month for assistance. No rush. Puerto Rico has waited two years as is. So what's the hurry? Finally, there is some good news in Europe. On Friday, May 24th, more than a million people around the world rallied their governments to act on climate change, part of the latest students' climate strike that occurred right before voting began in elections for the European Parliament. The students' climate strike movement appears to have had an impact on the election, with climate change a major factor in the campaigns. Plus, a surge of young voters and their parents propelled Europe's Green Party to modest but widespread gains in the EU Parliament, where they'll now have greater influence on environmental policy than ever before. Well, that's good news for Europe. It'll be interesting to see if these relentless storms in the U.S. end up having an effect on our election in 2020. Indeed. For much more on all of these stories and the ones we couldn't get to today, please check out our website at greennews.bradblog.com. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyen. And this has been your Green News Report. I hate to be needy, selfish and greedy, but please pay attention to me. The kids are standing up. Got to pay attention. Thank you very much, Desi Doy, and thanks to everyone out there for spending a portion of your day or night with us. If you missed any portion of today's show, download it anytime for free at bradblog.com. That thanks to those of you who stopped by bradblog.com slash donate to help support our work here and keep us on the air uh, as long as we can, as long as we can hold out. Bradblog.com slash donate. Thank you. Drop me an email if you like. I'm bradcast at bradblog.com. And on the Facebooks and the Twitters, I am simply the Bradblog. That's it. Until we meet again tomorrow, I hope. I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world. I hate to be needy, selfish and greedy. I hate to keep asking, begging and pleading. I'm down on my knees, under your window screaming. Please pay attention to me. Please pay attention. Pay attention.